Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Hello, America, and welcome to a special edition of the John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. And guess what? We've got a special guest, so we're going to do a special edition today. Here's why. You may not know this, but there's a holiday tomorrow. It's called National Whistleblower Day. It's the day when the Senate and the House recognize whistleblowers in the private sector and the government who blow the whistle on legitimate wrongdoing and bring to the attention of the American public and overseers in Congress and in the federal agencies, things that need to be fixed to protect our wallets, our ethics, our national security. And so in honor of that special holiday, we're going to talk to Steve Cohn. He is one of the most famous whistleblower lawyers in American history. Over the years, he has represented FBI agents who blew the whistle on the the bad lab, on the NSA program, uh, on variety of wrongdoing. He's represented... One whistleblower who got, I'm not making this number up, a $104 million reward for exposing billions of dollars of fraud and hidden bank accounts in the Swiss banking arena. Uh, Steve Cohn is remarkable for another reason. Uh, He worked with Senator Charles Grassley and others to create the National Whistleblower Center, a clearinghouse where whistleblowers go to get help, to get trained, to develop information. Uh, on how to best blow the whistle ethically, legally, properly, in the interest of the American taxpayer, in the interest of American security, and not in personal interest. And so the National Center, the National Whistleblower Center, is celebrating uh, the holiday tomorrow with a virtual event that Steve's going to tell us about. He's going to talk about the state of whistleblowing in the era of Donald Trump, um, what sort of issues exist for protection in continuation of whistleblowers, what sort of issues um, exist so that um, in the government, where is our government letting us down? Where are whistleblowers finding the biggest problems? This is a must-listen-to podcast. As you know from the great uh, attention that I've gotten on my uh, Russia uh, work, that I've been approached by whistleblowers. I was able to break some of the major um, Russia scandal reversal stories, uh, exposing the Russia collusion false narrative Because whistleblowers, brave men and women in government, reached out to me and said, I'm willing to come forward and tell you what happened. I'm grateful for those whistleblowers. The American public, I think, benefited from the exposed wrongdoing of the FBI. And so today, we salute whistleblowers everywhere. If you're legit, if you have some wrongdoing that you want to bring to attention, 
we honor you, and we do so by bringing on a special guest, Steve Cohn, the great whistleblowing attorney at Cohn, Cohn, and Calapinto Law Firm in Washington, D.C., and the founder of the National Whistleblower Center, the clearinghouse where so many whistleblowers go every day to learn how to properly identify and uh, bring to light wrongdoing. Whistleblowers make a difference. They protect your wallet. They protect our security. They protect our public health. And we are grateful, grateful to have those. Um, uh, Before we go to commercial break, I just want to mention three or four whistleblowers that in my career, their names are now public, really made a difference. One of them is Frederick Whitehurst. He was an FBI agent, one of the best um, scientists inside the FBI lab at Quantico. And it was his work in the 1990s that blew the whistle on true wrongdoing at the FBI lab, where bad science was being practiced, where documents and crime scenes were being restaged. Fred Whitehurst underwent enormous duress because the FBI retaliated against him in ways big and small. But he stood his ground, and the FBI lab is better today because of it. Another great whistleblower, somebody we've had on this podcast already, Bassem Youssef. FBI agent who ran the NSA telephone program, the program in which the FBI is able to look at Americans' phone records. He blew the whistle on all sorts of wrongdoing uh, going back to the 9-11 era, uh, early on after 9-11. He's a a man who made our national security better. Um, We heard another one in one of my stories that I brought to this podcast last week, Dr. Jonathan Fishbein, the uh, former chief ethicist and compliance officer for Dr. Fauci's uh, AIDS division, AIDS research division, you know, the disease, HIV and AIDS. Um, he was fired in retaliation for bringing legitimate safety and ethics concerns. He was reinstated. All three of those men were represented by Steve Cohn. All three of those men played a vital role in stories that I broke over the course of my career. So to you whistleblowers everywhere, we tip our hat. Uh, again, today, if you go and look at the new book I wrote, Fallout, Nuclear bribes, Russian spies, and the Washington lies that enriched the Clinton and Biden dynasties. You will see a tribute in the beginning of the book to all brave uh, whistleblowers, the true people who risk their careers, their lives, their reputations to make sure that the American public is safe, secure, healthy, uh, and, uh, and protected from bad conduct in private companies and in the government. So this is National Whistleblower Celebration Day. We're celebrating it a day early. We're going to go to a quick commercial break to some more heroes, our advertisers and sponsors. They make this podcast possible. Support them. When we come back, Steve Cohn of the Cohn Cohn Calapinto Law Firm, the founder of the National Whistleblower Center, going to tell us what it's really like to be in the middle of a whistleblowing crisis. We'll be right back. Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door, in as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a great guest, somebody whose impact on government has been wide and far for many years, the great attorney Stephen Cohn, one of the founders of the National Whistleblower Center and a man who I've had the pleasure 
of working with over three decades, who has brought to light some of the biggest examples of government waste, fraud, abuse, misconduct that we've ever seen in our history. Steve, uh, it's great to have you to the show. Welcome. Welcome, and thank you, John. Uh, wonderful to be with you. Your investigative journalism is inspiring. Oh, thank you. Very, very kind. We're going to get to your book, because anyone who wants to know something about whistleblowing has to read this book, The New Whistleblower's Handbook, A Step-by-Step -Step Guide to Doing What's Right and Protecting Yourself. We're going to want to get this book. It's a couple years old, but it's as good as anything. But before we get to that, there's a holiday coming up that a lot of Americans don't know about. They probably don't celebrate it as often as they should. But National Whistleblower Day is at the end of this week, isn't it, Steve? And tell us a little bit about what that's about and what's happening this coming uh, Thursday, I believe it is. Yeah, so July 30th marks the date in which the Continental Congress, at the height of the U.S. Revolution, uh, July 30th, 1778, passed America's first whistleblower law. And in my research for the Whistleblower's Handbook, I wanted to figure out, you know, where did whistleblowing start in America? And there it was, right at the Revolution, the Founding Fathers facing the most dire consequences if they lost the revolution. Yet they passed unanimously a, 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 a law that said it's the duty, and that's their word, of all persons in the United States to give the earliest information to Congress or other authority about misconduct, frauds, and misdemeanors. And, you know, we dug that out. And the United States Senate now for the past eight years has unanimously declared July 30th Whistleblower Appreciation Day. And we are pushing to get this day declared permanently as a day to recognize the contribution whistleblowers have played to democracy. It's so it's so it's so inspiring to understand that our founding fathers and the, those who drafted the Constitution saw blowing the whistle, saw accountability, saw check and balances as essential to our, our republic and to our democracy. And uh, we sometimes forget that. That's why this holiday is so fun for me personally. Now, you're going to have a ceremony at the National Whistleblower Center. Tell me tell me what's going to happen there and who are some of the great VIP attendees you should have in attendance. Well, we, we've had numerous, uh, every July 30th, we've had a ceremony. This year, it's going to be virtual online. Right. And you can come to the website of whistleblowerswithans.org or my law firm's website at kkc.com. And you can get all the information, how to sign in for free and participate. But we've made sure that it's been bipartisan. So Senator Grassley, uh, who's been a key supporter for whistleblowers, has spoken at all of the events. We've always had a Democrat widen in this year, member of Congress. And then we've had a host of other representatives, from liberal to conservative. Uh, uh, former Congressman Meadows, who's now President Trump's chief of staff, has spoken twice at the event. And then we've had very liberal members of Congress, the former and now deceased Representative Cummings participated. Right. And it's been a, a show that whistleblowing needs to be bipartisan. Everyone should be able to work together for accountability, to save taxpayers money, and to hold the criminals and put them in jail. 
That is something that we uh, we should all be able to agree on. Although in the era of Trump and division, it seems as though whistleblowers have become an us and them phenomenon. Uh, when the uh, the whistleblower um, uh, uh, that came out in the uh, uranium case, uh, Doug Campbell came out. The Democrats attacked him in, in some cases inaccurately. And then when the whistleblower came out in the Ukraine case, the Republicans attacked that whistleblower. The IGs now look like the inspector generals who are big, important part of this whistleblower protection system. They're all under attack by various uh, entities. Is it still possible, you think, Steve, in this uh, this era that we live in, to have um, bipartisan understanding, bipartisan appreciation for whistleblowers? And how do we get the S and M element of this uh, fixed? Well, first off, I think it is. And there's a lot of press about whistleblowing in many cases that I would consider problematic because they became highly politicized. But what most people don't know, there are literally thousands of whistleblower cases ongoing right now. I'm representing many people in the tax cases and government fraud cases, and there's no politicization there. Investigations are going on, and those laws are working. The problem is, is when a whistleblower case becomes politicized, then people don't see the case through the through the uh, vision of accountability. They see it through, you know, which team are you on? Now, I'm one of the few lawyers, and I've represented on both sides. I had the honor of representing Linda Tripp, who turned an information to get President Clinton impeached, and uh, she suffered retaliation. And at that point, you couldn't talk to a Democrat. Uh, They were all just up in arms and didn't see the accountability. So we can come now to another whistleblower, and President Trump gets impeached information from a whistleblower. And you see the same thing going on. When a whistleblower case becomes political, it often just becomes a disaster. So one thing we do in my practice is we religiously try to keep every one of our cases out of the political scheme, work in a bipartisan manner, don't take your whistleblower to a member of Congress who's going to politicize it for their own ends, take it to a member of Congress of either party who's going to look at it seriously as an accountability issue. And I will say that over the years, Senator Charles Grassley uh, has been the number one member of Congress who has dealt with whistleblowers in a very nonpartisan way. And many people don't know this. I have taken whistleblowers who are would be viewed as, you know, democratic moles and have taken them in and Grassley has handled them in a non-political manner. It, it's been a, he's been a remarkable asset. And some other members of Congress have followed in his footsteps or worked with him. But Grassley has really been the shining light on nonpartisan whistleblower protection. And that's what we do. It doesn't matter if you're Democrat or Republican. And here's the other thing that most people don't understand. Most of my clients, I've represented whistleblowers for over 30 years. Most are Republican. Most are very conservative. And you may ask why or why not. It really doesn't matter. It's just the nature of people 
not being political, being honest, caring, concerned, with courage to report. It is it is remarkable, and and that, to know that that passion still exists, that people care enough about their country, about their governance, about their tax dollars, to withstand what often is retaliation. Uh, you you've had some big ones. We we just wrote about one again last week. Um, uh, uh, Dr. Jonathan Fishbein, who blew the whistle on a lot of safety and uh, ethics issues inside the NIH back in the late '90s and early 2000s, and our readers just got a sense of what happened to him and how strong that was. Uh, you had Bradley Birkenfeld, right? I think you represented him, the the man who blew the whistle Correct. on the Swiss bank scandal. Correct. And perhaps, perhaps my favorite one of all time, or the one that's most famous, is Fred Whitehurst, the whistleblower who blew the uh, whistle on all of the wrongdoing inside the FBI lab back in the 1990s when literally the FBI was practicing significant fake science. I mean, literally fake science. Uh, what has it been like to have those sort of people who were literally in the in the thick of extraordinary battle? They were retaliated against. They were called names. They were uh, they they were in danger of losing their jobs or had lost their jobs. What, what's it like when you're in the middle of a major whistleblower case like that? Well, first off, I think. And what is it like? Okay, so my dad was a veteran, very uh, rewarded, many medals very honored from World War II and inspired me. And I sometimes think of a whistleblower battle. I mean, you're in a battle. It's like being in a foxhole. You're being shot at. And the one thing I learned is that the whistleblower is loyal. In other words, not disloyal. They're the person you want to be fighting with. The stereotype of some disgruntled employee or someone uh, – that's emotionally troubled. It's just absolutely not true. And the Whitehurst case is the absolute best example. And you were right. looking at one of the most stellar FBI agents. I mean, award-winning, three-term, three-tour veteran of the Vietnam War, the youngest recipient of the Navy Medal of Heroism. You would not, you want this guy on your side. And when he saw corruption at the FBI, falsification of science, racism, mishandling of cases, and he had the courage to bring it forward. Here's the amazing part of his case. He won. He won a very large settlement. He was fully he vindicated. He forced the FBI crime lab to get accredited. And the reason was, at the end of the day, no matter how much they wanted to retaliate against Whitehurst, they knew he was a man of tremendous principles, righteousness, and courage. And at each turn, they backed down. They backed down because Whitehurst was, you know, he is a whistleblower, a man of courage. It was an extraordinary case. And um, as I've gotten to, uh, to know some of these whistleblowers, some that you've represented, some that others have represented, I, I've come to appreciate the extraordinary personal toll that whistleblowing takes on people. It is a glum, unsavory, unsatisfying place to be when the entire weight of the government's trying to come on down, down on you, trying to make you look crazy or make you look uh, um, uh, one of the uh, bad. In fact, one of the things you see oftentimes is that 
uh, whistleblowers have these incredible records, like the personnel files, all excellent, excellent, excellent. They blow the whistle. Suddenly they become unexcellent. And uh, that tactic of punishing people through their personnel reviews, through their uh, leaks in the news media. Uh, I have never, until I, until I met you, Steve, I had no idea the personal toll that these whistleblowers go through. It's, it's a lot of stress and strain. How do you manage that as a lawyer? How do you get them through that? Because you, you do far more than just represent them in the court of law. You've, you've really been a person who stood by them and got them through the most difficult days of their lives. What, what do you do in that circumstance? Well, when the whistleblower is suffering retaliation, they need to know someone is on their side because it's very lonely. You're often one person against an entire institution. Your friends do turn your back on you. No one wants to get, you know, taken down in that whistleblower case. So just having a lawyer who will fight like hell, that really helps. Understanding the human toll it takes. Yeah, we'll have to get some people counseling, and, and that's important. But we've gotten smarter. And the key now in many whistleblower cases is anonymity and confidentiality. If the person doesn't know who's turning you in, you can't be retaliated against. So yes, there are instances in which the identity of a whistleblower who should be confidential is leaked out, but it's rare. I have so many cases right now, the vast majority of my cases, the confidentiality holds and the wrongdoers are held accountable. This doesn't make the newspapers. Uh, it, and it's yeah. really actually unfortunate that so many people don't know that whistleblowing is working and working very well in most of these anonymous cases. And, and I sit back and it's, it's, I, I remember back 30 years ago when I did this and all the harm that whistleblowers suffered. And then I look at a case now where I can have someone working in their company getting access to information, being promoted, and nobody knows they were the whistleblower. So that's really wow. become, in my view, one of the most important advances in the law. Stealth, stealth whistleblowing so that the, all the pain and suffering and other elements that go on are uh, uh, maybe alleviated or relieved in some way. That's, that is an important development. It's a little bit different than in the 90s where almost all the whistleblowers names sort of became public as part of the whistleblowing process. So it seems like a big, a big step forward, correct? It's a gigantic step forward. We recommend it in every case. Unfortunately, most of the laws still don't have confidentiality written into it, and we deal with it as we can. I, I do want to say that, that whistleblowers have suffered post-traumatic stress disorder you know, and been yeah. clinically diagnosed. The way to understand mm. it, is if your entire career is destroyed. It's like if you're a lawyer and you're debarred. You're a journalist and you can never write again. When, a, when it's someone who's high up and respected in their profession, and most whistleblowers are, loses their entire career and their social network and, their, and, and the impact on family and friends, this is a disaster. This is a a disaster that is very hard to remedy. So in this world of fighting for whistleblowers, we are always have like multi fronts. We want to protect that whistleblower. 
We want to protect them from this, from these terrible retaliations. On the other hand, when they suffer it, they need to know someone is there in that foxhole with them. That is really key. And I know you've been there for many of the whistleblowers that I've gotten to um, to know. Now, you also uh, grew way beyond just yourself and your law firm. You created a fantastic group a couple of decades ago called the National Whistleblower Center. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about just what the center does and its, its breadth and reach of support that it can provide someone that's about to blow the whistle? Sure. So the National Whistleblower Center, again, is religiously nonpartisan. It's never endorsed a candidate. Uh, it just, it's there for whistleblowers, period, of any stripe. It's a safe haven. So what do we do? We fight for better laws. We've been instrumental in whistleblower protections for federal employees, for FBI agents, for corporate employees. And we're, we're constantly fighting to get the laws made better, stronger, so they actually work. We also, through a, a group known as the Whistleblower Legal Defense Fund, we have a system where we try to match whistleblowers with lawyers who can represent them and win their cases. Because so many whistleblowers have a hard time finding representation. So we're trying to give help to the individual, but fight for the policies and the laws that are necessary for whistleblowers to prevail. Wow. It's a, it's a great center. I've been involved in, in working on cases for 20 years, and um, I'm just in awe of what it accomplishes each year. And we think about government, but you know there are banks and corporations and, and nuclear companies and others that uh, in the private sector have been forced to change their practices because of courageous and uh, very successful whistleblowers, people who knew what was going on. They didn't make up a story. They had the facts. And it, it just took the center's work and Steve's work and his brother Mike's work and Dave Calapinto at the law firm, their work to to get it um, adjudicated. But it is a remarkable thing. We got a few minutes left, Steve, and I wanted to see if you could give us a little flavor of some of the whistleblower cases you're working on now. What sort of wrongdoing what are some of the trends and concerns that are uh, coming forward from whistleblowers today in 2020? Sure. So using some of these powerful laws that also have anonymity, we're representing a whistleblower named Howard Wilkinson. He blew the whistle on the largest money laundering scandal in history. Hold your horses here. Sit on your seat. <laughs> 240 billion. Dollars. Wow, that's almost a quarter trillion dollars. Soviet that's a huge Union, number. $240 billion laundered from the former Soviet Union and its satellite states into New York Western Bank. Wow. Then there's the, yeah, it's a, and, and again, he, he exposed that scheme, major criminal investigations ongoing worldwide. Bradley wow. Birkenfeld, he blew the whistle on Swiss banks. Everyone, I'll, I'll open up a Swiss bank and have, you know, illegal offshore funds no one will know about. Well, guess what? Because of Birkenfeld, all known U.S. illegal Swiss bank accounts closed. We've calculated over $16 billion recovered for by the taxpayers, by people and banks who involved in illegal tax evasion using Swiss banks. These two cases alone give you just this idea that a whistleblower 
well-placed in a major institution involved in criminal activity can really change the world. Yeah, those are amazing cases. I, I, I didn't realize the figure had gotten up to a quarter trillion dollars. That's unbelievable. Yeah, the, um, the world, it's $240 billion, and that the hmm. bank itself admitted to that. That's wow. the bank's number. That, and that, you're talking about numbing. European banks, Deutsche Bank, Bank of America, J.P. Morgan. These are major institutions involved in money laundering. Yeah, no, that's that's what's so remarkable. I mean, we see it time and again. You just saw another ruling recently against Deutsche Bank in the Epstein case where they admitted that they were facilitating transactions for Jeffrey Epstein that were uh, obviously problematic given his prior conviction. And so that, that willful blindness that some of these institutions have until someone blows the whistle and challenges them is uh, sometimes jaw-dropping and audacious yeah. for, for what it is. When you when when you look out now uh, beyond making uh, the National Whistleblower Day a permanent holiday, uh, what are some things that you'd like to see Congress, the administration, do to improve whistleblowing, uh, improve incentives for whistleblowing, improve protections for whistleblowing? Well, the number one reform that we have found will work is paying whistleblowers a reward, a monetary reward. So, if you think about the old model. A whistleblower blows the whistle, gets retaliated against, suffers, and their sole compensation, if they're lucky enough to win, and most don't, would be a what's known as a make-whole remedy, reinstatement back pay. In short, the whistleblower always loses, because even if they get reinstatement and back pay, their career is permanently damaged. On the other hand, the reward laws flip that. And they say, if your information is good, high quality, if your information results in the successful prosecution of a criminal, be it bank fraud, securities fraud, money laundering, etc., guess what? You get a reward. You are rewarded for whistleblowing. You are rewarded for the quality of your information. And this is what has made anonymous and confidential whistleblowing possible, because the law enforcement agencies look to the whistleblower as a source of information for a successful prosecution. And these laws have worked remarkably well. They are now the number one source for the prosecution of tax frauds and frauds against the government in terms of government contracting. Uh, that's out there now. It's just they've worked so well, and we are pushing to get more of these laws implemented to cover other sectors of the economy. That's absolutely amazing. Uh, these key TAM awards, and, and just so you know, that the false claims, sure. yeah, the false claims act that does this has was signed by Reagan, has been fully supported by every single president, up right. through and including President Trump. All of their Department of Justices have worked successfully with whistleblowers to hold those who are ripping off the government, stealing from government contracts, accountable. And this is gigantic in the COVID-19 time period where trillions of taxpayer dollars are right. pouring out. How, do you, how are you going to hold that money accountable? How are you going to hold the people who are getting rich 
during this crisis accountable? Whistleblower. That's a great point. Uh, do you have any current uh, whistleblowing cases going on that involve uh, the coronavirus pandemic, uh, or is it too early yet? Well, we've received numerous intakes on this issue. They're under review right now. The whistleblower, that's my law firm, the Whistleblower Center has received numerous intakes, and I believe they've been able to get some people lawyers. But those cases are just coming in, and they're going to be pouring in. But right now, it's a major area of uh, whistleblower report. Yeah, that's so many dollars on the street. Uh, the chance for abuse is very high. Uh, I want to mention just quickly, because I bet a lot of people don't know what these whistleblower awards can look like, uh, but uh, they're called Ketam Awards. And uh, Brad Birkenfeld, who, by the way, went to prison for a period of time for some of the activities that he engaged in, but he blew the whistle and he, uh, there were billions of dollars of illicit funds that were recovered from Swiss banks. Uh, can you tell people just how big his Ketam Award was that you helped him get? Sure. So... Uh, Mr. Birkenfeld was given a whistleblower award known as the Quitam Award of $104 million. Yowza. And, yeah. And That's a this big number. award, which was the largest award ever, uh, was, was predicated on the quality of his information. So the reward laws all work from a percentage basis generally right. 10 to 30 percent. The bigger the fraud, the better your evidence, the larger the award. Most awards are in the range of, say, 250000 to $2 million. But they, But there's no limit. If you turn in a really big scandal and there's a successful prosecution, you get a reward. And here's the amazing part of the award. None of it is paid by the taxpayer. Right. Only it comes from the bad guys, right? If the, yeah, the wrongdoer pays their fine and penalty, and you get your percentage. So the taxpayer always wins. They're always getting it between 90 and 70, between 70 and 90 percent of any recovery. And the whistleblower has to pay taxes on their award. Kind of uh, paradoxical, but it's true. Uh, so the, you, the taxpayers are the big winners. But here's the real issue here, which is deterrence. Yeah. Companies are learning and other entities, government agencies, et cetera, are learning that whistleblowers have rights. They can report. And that deters criminal activity. And that there's been numerous studies now that, that the paying of these awards, has frightened members of, of corporate, corporate corporations and other entities that might be engaging in fraud and has made them have better compliance departments, better oversight, because they know that they can get caught. Right. Such a good point. Absolutely such a great point. All right, Steve. So if people want to get in touch, we're going to wrap this up because we're coming up on the half hour. I want to make sure we get... Um, Folks, if they want to get in touch to Cone Cone and Calapinto Law Firm, they can find you there on the web, right? Um, yeah. And the so National Whistleblower Center. Yeah. So the law firm's website is very simple, kkc.com or conecone and calapinto.com. The Whistleblower Center is whistleblowers with an S dot org. And information on the new Whistleblowers Handbook is available on both sites. 
Yeah, it's a must-read book. If you're interested at all, you're thinking about blowing the whistle, you know someone that's thinking about blowing the whistle, the book is a must-read. It really walks you through, the, uh, and it's based on 30 years of experience of what Steve and his legal team have done for whistleblowers. It's a must-read for anyone that wants to protect taxpayers and 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 uh, single out wrongdoing and getting it fixed. So, Steve, I can't thank you enough. I hope you enjoy your event on Thursday. I know I'll be lo- logging on and watching. I hope a lot of our listeners do too. And we'll, we'll try to get you back on the show with some of your, your new whistleblower cases later in the year. I hope we can do that. Great. Thank you so much, John. And good luck with all your investigations. Thank you, sir. All right, folks, we'll be right back uh, after commercial break to wrap things up. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition. Actually, a special edition of John Solomon Reports. I hope you enjoyed this today. It's a rare opportunity to take a little experiential tour through the history of whistleblowing and why it's still so important. Remember my work and Sarah Carter's work and, and all the great reporters who worked on the unraveling of the Russia collusion delusion. They were benefited by brave whistleblowers who came forward in government and Congress and elsewhere and told us what was really going on. So we're lucky. That's why whistleblowing is still important to me today as it was 30 years ago when I started as an investigative reporter. All right, we're going to be back tomorrow. Our regular slated programming, we're going to have the former Congressman Bob McEwen of Ohio, the current head of the Council on National Policy, a, a conservative think tank that comes up with a lot of the big ideas that Republicans and conservatives use all across the country. You won't want to miss that. He has some sharp words, I'm certain, to talk about the anarchy, the tyranny, and all the things we're seeing playing out on America's streets today. What's at stake in the election? And he's got a big idea. That's what he does. He's paid to come up with big ideas. He's got a good one. He wants to talk about how in this pandemic we can have a moment of reform in the education system from the college level all the way down to kindergarten. Some interesting ideas, some new thoughts to chew on uh, tomorrow on John Solomon Reports. We'll talk to you then.